Look, last year's offense for Boston College was a mess. It's not anything that anyone wants to remember, that anyone wants to talk about. But the Eagles did some things this offseason to change that outlook, starting with the coaching staff. I'm going to look at today whether the changes on the offensive coaching staff will in fact make that big of a difference in 2023, or is it really up to the players? We'll get into that today. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked on BC. I'm your host, AJ Black. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Today, let's kick this off with some football talk. I know a lot of you are ready to talk some spring football. And the Eagles are in the midst of preparing for their spring football game, which is only 11 days away. BC plays on the 15th in the Jay McGillis spring game at 11. I believe it's 11 o'clock at Alumni Stadium. Now, the biggest question mark heading into this spring was the offense, because as we've said and joked, the offense was offensive last year. Now, a lot of that I have, I have assigned blame to the offensive line. I've said all along that the offensive line, I think was so broken that BC couldn't do anything, even if they try to. And, and, and that was the first part, but the second part, was that I felt like the coaching staff was trying to bash a square peg into a round hole and never were able to fix the issues with the offensive line or even make them any better. I mean, as bad as that offensive line was, and yes, they must have started like 15 offensive linemen throughout that season. The the coaching staff was never able to improve any of those players. So when the offseason kicks off, BC gets rid of John McNulty and Dave DeGuglielmo. And you never want to see a coach get fired. I mean, you know, I'm much more of a humanist when it comes to that. But the business world, the business end of the dealings is that you have to. When you are dead last in the country in uh, rushing yards and like third from last in sacks allowed, your offensive line coach has to go. When you're averaging, I think it was 17 points a game on offense, your offensive coordinator has to go. So Halfley makes those moves. He gets rid of those guys. He brings in Steve Shimko to be the offensive coordinator. And then he brings in Rob Chudzinski, a longtime offensive coordinator and NFL coach and Halfley's personal assistant uh, or uh, a consultant, excuse me, to be the associate head coach in charge of offense. So the question then remains, the question that we're looking at today Coaching staff wise, is it that big of a deal when you change your coaching staff? And it's it's a tough one to to parse out because on one hand, if BC goes out there this year and scores 28 points a game or 26 points a game or whatever it takes to, to get some improvement, how much of that is going to be credited to the offensive staff? And how much will be just people saying, well, the offensive line's better. It has nothing to do with the coaching staff. It's it, it's it's a chicken and egg situation here. But I'm intrigued here for a couple of reasons. 
that they this the staff itself could be crucial in helping turn around this offense that desperately needs to have a big year. First of all, I think as you as we said, some new eyeballs. I mean some some well adjusted, well established coaches to throw in there would be helpful. So you brought in Chud. That kind of fills that role, right? Secondly, you have a younger coach in. So you've got a good blend of two, of two. You got a guy who I think folks are 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 starting to see is is a good um offensive mind in Steve Shimko. I mean, he brought Emmett Moorhead up quite a bit. Chud, my my biggest concern is that he hasn't coached in a while, but he had I mean, he brought he was in some really good offenses, both at the NFL level. You know, a couple years ago, he was with the Colts and they had some pretty good offenses. He was their offensive coordinator. He was good offensive coordinator for Miami. He could take things over. And the coaching staff, you know, I'm not sure how much. I'm sure Halfley has nothing to do with play calling. I mean, based off some of the things he said in the last couple of years, he's pretty hands off on the offense. Uh, You know, last year he was saying that he needs to take a bigger role, but he didn't. But. You now have two coaches to call plays. And I'm assuming you'll have Shimko in the box and you'll probably have Chud on the field. That's my guess at this point. It's going to be hard to tell what's going to happen there. But I think the best thing that they're doing, and I think it's much more established than in years past, is it seems to me, based off of comments Halfley has made, that not only is he not making the play calls, but it's almost like, he's kind of ceded that part of the field to those coaches. And maybe that's what he did before, but it seems really clear here. Now they had the BC had their second scrimmage of the, of the of spring this off season, uh, this weekend. And again, all their stuff is closed. So you can never get to it. But Halfley said after the game, he talked about the offense and their play as if they were like an opposition, like they were an, an opposite team. Now, maybe that was due to, you know, he was coaching against them and, and whatnot. But to me, it made it sound like they're almost like a separate head on this on this team. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? We're going to have to wait to see how that plays out this year. I mean, if you've got good offensive minds as those coaches, it could be fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with Jeff Halfley not touching the offense and letting those coaches do what they got to do. But they got to be strong enough coaches. They got to be guys that can can handle all of that on their own. And, and I don't, I honestly don't know how many teams have ever had two guys there, uh, you know, on the offensive side or any side of the ball that are allowed to basically just run that side of the ball. It's usually one guy. So it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of chefs in the kitchen there. So what do you think? Do you think that Halfley is making the right choice here? with this coaching staff. And do you think they'll make that big of a difference? Leave your thoughts in the comment section. We'll be back in just a moment to talk about recruiting. And there is some bad news, but I don't think it's the bad worst news in the world about a recruit that had already sent out an official visit, but maybe choosing somewhere else. We'll get into that in just a moment. The Built March Madness Bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now's your favorite time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know I'll be voting for the Cooking and Cream Puff. is my favorite, and if you want to win, too, you'll be voting for that bar. 
And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked on listeners will get a free box of built. Not only that, but one lucky locked on fan will win a 12 month subscription to built to have built best bars of puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You got to try built built's the best protein bar ever. Seriously. They're so amazing. You won't think they're good for you, but they are. And the best part is they're 100% covered in chocolate. They don't taste chalky or ashy or like any of those lousy protein bars. They are a different thing. They are good and they're good for you. So go to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff. And built a bu- pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March. So hop on in and support your pick. This is Locked On BC AJ Black. And we are talking about recruiting now folks know you you want to know about the recruits because bc right now it's been pretty quiet and i guess that's i guess that's the case of what happens when you go three and nine the year before you know there's not a lot of excitement to get recruits recruits are not that excited to commit yet because they're they're still figuring out what they want to do now on our screen is a guy that we talked about earlier in the recruiting cycle. His name's Deuce Adams and he's from Texas. He's a three-star quarterback. I think he threw for over 3000 yards last year, 36 touchdowns. And he was scheduled to take an official visit to Boston college in June. He just tweeted out about an hour or two ago that he's going to make his um, official announcement coming up in the next day or so. And I, I bring this up because BC is in the running for this quarterback. Deuce Adams has, he's, I mean, if you were to consider where his, his favorites are, it would be Baylor, Boston college and Louisville. He was going to take an official visit. He just came back from Louisville. Rutro. That's not good news. When a guy comes back and then says he's going to make his commitment choice, like nine times out of 10, he's picking the school he just visited. So if you follow me on two, four, seven sports, you know that I have already put in a crystal ball for Deuce Adams to go to Louisville. Um, and I, I see folks uh, feeling really negatively about this uh, blaming. I, I saw someone on my board, like pretty like upset that Chud didn't get him on campus. I just want to say as someone who covers recruiting, it's not as easy in black and white as, oh, he didn't like BC or Chud's failing or any of that stuff. Sometimes there's stuff on the other end, right? He might have gone to Louisville. There might have been NIL up to play. I don't know. There also may have been a pressure from the coaching staff. Like, hey, you know, we have a couple quarterbacks and we love you. We'd love to have you be our quarterback. But if we need you to choose in the next couple of weeks, otherwise we might have to talk to these other kids too. And then, you know, if Deuce really liked that, that offer, he might have to make his choice. There's a little, there's pressure. Teams put pressure on kids as much as kids put pressure on teams. Right. So Adams is going to make his choice and I'm thinking it's going to be Louisville. So that chalked that one up to a loss and it's not the only loss BC had this week. Gibson Pyle, an offensive lineman who was just on campus two weeks ago. I had an interview with him up on Eagle Insider. I also had him, Crystal Ball, to Nebraska and nailed that. I mean, I, I can just tell by the way he was talking about him. He was going to commit there. Um, he committed to, to Nebraska. He was an offensive lineman from Texas. But this podcast is not all doom and gloom, folks. I am not going to be all negative about recruiting because I think BC is in good shape with a few, few recruits. 
Now, I'm going to tell you something. There, the, the reason why the Deuce Adams news may not sting as much in a few weeks is that I think I have my suspicions that BC may have their quarterback about to be locked up. And I already put a crystal ball in for him, and you can find it if you look for it. But quarterback Henry Hasselback was back on campus again this weekend. Now, that's Matt Hasselback's son. He was just on campus two weeks ago. We talked about it on this podcast. You can go back and listen to that episode. He's currently still committed to Maryland to play lacrosse. But the fact that he's made two unofficial visits in like three weeks strikes to me that he's very interested in Boston College. Remember, when I when we talked to him, or, or when 247 talked to him, he did say his dream is to play football. So... I don't think the the lacrosse piece for Henry uh, Henry Hasselback is that big of a of a lord that's going to keep him away from BC. I think he's destined. And I think we'll just have to wait and see. But if you want to get my crystal ball picks, I'm I've been starting to hand them out left and right. I'm starting to well, not left and right, but I'm starting to get more and more of them out there. Head over to Eagle Insider. We have 50% off right now. You can get all my insider information. I'm giving you just the the top of the, the top of the, uh, some of the, the top of the surface type of stuff, right? If you want bigger information, if you want to get more of the details, I talked to the kids. I just put up a, a certain recruit that's going to be taking an official visit. Those are big deals, okay? They only get five. Come over to Eagle Insider, subscribe today. It's 50 bucks for the year. You get a full subscription, you get all that information. And I, I feel like I'm giving you a good deal here. So make sure that you had over there today. All right. In our final segment, it's time to talk baseball. Second time this week, we're going to get into the Eagles as the Eagles get some more good news from the polls. And we'll talk a little bit about a question you have about NCAA regionals. I think you're going to want to hear about that in just a moment. This is locked on BC AJ black. Thank you all who have subscribed to our YouTube channel. We are up to 800, last I checked, 850. Do we get up to 851? 850 subscribers. 851, we made it up to one. I would love it if you subscribed as well. It's completely free. Like a video, it it helps us. We can monetize this channel. And if you like free stuff, it doesn't cost you anything. Um, and it helps me make a little extra cash off of what I do. So subscribe today, and if you have family or friends, like if you're big into this and you your wife has a YouTube channel or a page or not page YouTube account, hit the subscribe too. Literally, the numbers are what I need. So just find a way to get some more people to subscribe to. I've been reaching out to some BC fans and getting them on too, but I'd love your help as well. So BC baseball wins three out of four last week, including an, a win against number twenty. UConn, and then two out of three against Georgia Tech, including winning 24 to 12 on Sunday. Well, the polls are being kind to the Eagles as BC is now ranked number nine in the country. Number nine. This is the highest rank the Eagles have ever had. And this it's, it's really showing how well BC is, you know, is playing right now. They are 20 and six the fastest BC has got to 20 wins in program history. Pretty impressive for, for a program that was about to fight, that was 
many folks wanted to fire Mike Gambino last year. They're so impressive that I, I told you I'm a one man crew. I try to cover as much as I can. I've got to start covering BC baseball some more. Um, it's a sport I know, so it's not like that hard, but I love, I love that this team is doing so well. And so they're ranked. Now they get to play number 17 Louisville next week. It feels like the, the, the tough schedule again in the ACC grind is never going to stop. It's on the road too. So that's going to be even tougher, but, I believe last I checked, Louisville's not even a 500 team in conference. So, you know, BC, they got to just keep playing well. And and hopefully their ERA will go down. I think it was 5.14 last I saw. A little nervous about that, I have to say. Like, when your ERA is that high, and I know there's been some outlier games, but you're going to – the your luck is going to run out at times. And hopefully that doesn't that isn't the case for BC because it's been fun. And the other reason I bring that up, is because if BC continues to play the, as well as they are, and I know there's a lot of baseball left, there is a chance that they could host regional games for the NCAA tournament. Remember, um, <coughs> Harrington Village was created with the capacity to host those games. And folks have asked me, so I reached out to some people I know that are in the know. They told me that BC absolutely can host. And they can host all the way up to before they go to Omaha. So, Right now, if the if the season was to end today, BC would host. Um, I thought I saw a projection. I couldn't find where I saw it. I saw, you know, you know those mornings when you wake up and you look at something online and you haven't had your coffee yet, kind of in the haze, and then you go back to look for it and you have no clue where it was. Well, that was me this morning. I was like, oh, that's cool, <clears throat> but I saw it wherever I was looking, and BC would have ho- would like right now if it ended, BC would host with a regional of UConn, Rutgers, and Columbia. Two teams BC's already beat Rutgers and, and UConn, uh, so that would be that would be a, a cool that'd be awesome. I mean, if you want BC to get back on the map, or or I mean, the ba- the baseball team has never been on the map. Even when they make it to those big tournaments, like they don't fe- I feel like I my wife's cousin was on the team about fifteen years ago, and he always jokes about that no one ever cared. But you have a nice top-of-the-line stadium. I mean, it, it, it could always improve, but it's really nice now. You have winning a winning program. If you were to host playoff games, I think it would be a big deal. I think a lot of fans would go to it. So this, you know, BC's just going to continue to to eke out win, uh, to, to churn out wins. Now, Tuesday, they ha- to, to that today, they play against U- UMass in the Bean Pot. Now, the Bean Pot, to me, is, is Boston. It's a Boston thing, but Good old bean pot is being played in Amherst. I don't know. UMass's baseball is terrible this year, but I don't, you know, any game can go anyway. They, they've only won four games all year. So BC just needs to take care of business. We'll, we'll have some updates on that on tomorrow's show. Now, in terms of other news, women's basketball, Maria Gekdeng, BC's star center, I think you would call her that, who averaged, she had a pretty good solid season for BC last year. Um, I'm pulling up her stats right now. Just give me a second. Um, she had 11.3 points per game and six and a half point rebounds per game. She's not leaving the ACC as she's heading to UNC. I mean, folks, I don't know. Again, I've said this before. I don't know what's going on with women's basketball, um, but the exodus that's caused by all these women leaving, uh, especially good players. Maria Gekdeng was just like, just about, it felt like to step into her own is not a good sign. And we haven't seen BC 
bring anyone in for the transfer portal this year, but it's, it's worrisome. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, but she's going to stay in the conference, which is again, terrible. So she's, she's gone. Now let's go to the comment section. We're going to head out in just a moment. All right. Uh, Marty's over here. He's uh, saying eight, we have 851 subscribers. Yes, we have 851. If you're out there listening, you need to subscribe as well. Drew Adams says baseball is looking good. Congratulations. And maybe they could host at Fenway. They don't need to host at Fenway. They need to host at Harrington Stadium, Marty. So thank you all for subscribing. Thank you all for listening. Follow me on Twitter at AJBlack underscore BC. We'll be back again tomorrow, hopefully with some transfer portal news, some recruiting news, everything in between. We'll talk about the baseball game. We'll talk about anything you have on your mind. Hopefully we'll see you all there. Take care, everyone.